This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Canton. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. And I am not the usual voice you hear doing this intro, but uh, my co-host Mike is away for the week. So you've got me, Mr. Corey Pereira, at FF Guitar, steering the ship today. And I am joined by a very special guest uh, in the one and only Mr. Austin Nace. I really appreciate you filling in today. Uh, you know, I was hoping to beat you down with my team of scrubs in the GM West this week, uh, <laughs> but uh, David was not able to best Goliath, but your team is looking pretty good in the uh, in that league. Uh, Austin, how is it going, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. You you know, if you'd been able to wait one week in that league, I think I have seven starters or eight starters on by. So you, you, you missed your opportunity by, by one week there to probably get me. Uh, yeah, I, I took over a team in that league. Uh, this off season and it's it's in pretty rough shape but uh i'm pretty much donating 250 dollars to the league this year but hopefully i can be competitive at some point uh today we wanted to look at you know a general outlook on our rankings you know we're four weeks into the season we kind of felt like this was a good time to maybe uh move a lot of things around in our rankings and uh but first i want to get into a little bit of news here Starting off with Ole Miss tight end, Michael Trigg was a guy that we had a lot of hopes for about two years ago, uh, was even starting to reach those top three, top five tight, tight end levels in Devi um, for some of the hype he was getting. He apparently left the team, perhaps looking for another transfer next year. Um, never really worked out for him over there. You know, he never really reached that potential we saw in the spring game. Um, so we'll see if he can turn it around there. Over at Virginia, uh, freshman quarterback Anthony Calandria a um, little bit of a smaller guy, not sure how interested we are for Devi, but it upset a lot of people today to hear that Virginia was going back to Tony Musket as their quarterback here. Uh, so Calandria heads back to the bench, unfortunately, and we'll see what that does for some of the weapons here, like Malik Washington, who's had a little bit of a breakout uh, the last couple of weeks. Heading over to some injury updates, we had quite a few scary ones this past weekend, starting with Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison, who left the game. Uh, looked a little bit ominous for a bit, had an ugly tackle attempt in the back of his ankle while he was blocking. Uh, did come back into the game, so hopefully some positive signs there. But hopefully they are smart with him, heading over to another star wide receiver in Missouri sophomore, Luther Burden, who's had a tremendous start to the season. But he left the game a little bit this past weekend. Also returned, but he's already being deemed questionable for the next weekend, so definitely something to watch there. Heading over to Minnesota, where a guy we're going to talk a little bit about later, the exciting freshman in Darius Taylor, has absolutely been destroying the league right now. He's actually leading the Power 5 in rushing yards right now. His status has been deemed uh, as uncertain right now, so I'm not even aware that he picked up an injury, but apparently he did so last weekend, so that'll be something to watch. Uh, Washington wide receiver Jalen McMillan also missed last week. Apparently teams being pretty cautious with him, so he may miss another week yet. Clemson wide receiver Antonio Williams has been deemed day-to-day after missing last week's game, kind of surprisingly, but it did lead to a little bit of a breakout from a freshman in Tyler Brown, who we will get into a little bit more later there as well. Um, And last but not least, we have Texas A&M quarterback Connor Wegman, who left last week's game with an ankle injury. He's still dealing with some ankle swelling as of today, so his status is a little bit up in the air for the upcoming weekend. Be sure to head over to the website at campustocanton.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides, weekly CFF projections, advanced metric tools, and the brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with CFB Winning Edge to help bring you guys the amazing in-depth work on school depth charts 
weekly player projection, injury updates, and game spread projections for all you betters out there. So make sure you guys check out our family of podcasts and make sure you guys are keeping it locked to the YouTube channel, especially on Saturday mornings from here on out where we will be doing the tailgate. Every Saturday morning, the guys will be going through start sit questions, keeping you up to date on all the news heading into the games, going over a lot of betting tips, and we'll also be giving you a little Debbie preview every Saturday morning as well. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked with Campus to Ken to help guide you guys through the season. You know, Corey, Colin, my co-host on, on you know the show I normally do, is definitely not as cool as you and, quite frankly, just not very cool at all. But he was the coolest guy in the room last weekend when he went to that Penn State whiteout game wearing his white Penn State national championship. It kind of makes me want to puke. Home field apparel shirt <laughs> he got using promo code Campus to Canton over at homefieldapparel.com. All sorts of really cool retro um, college gear, uh, pretty much any team that you can think of. Uh, so, yeah, go over there. Save yourself 15% on your first purchase. Um, and, uh, yeah. Use that promo code Campus to Canton. Get over there. Get you uh, be cool. Be cool like Colin. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> I think Mike is gonna be jealous of how good you you nailed that impromptu ad read uh right there. Um Mike is running out of material, so hearing you do that pretty seamlessly is gonna make him a little bit jealous, but he'll he'll come back and he's gonna try to one you up now. <laughs> Hopefully I can inspire, you know, something in him now because he he definitely, you know, that was a what would what would Mike do situation, uh, as I said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. So, so here we're gonna go right into a little bit of a general ranking update by in here. Uh, I mean, we could have done some player reactions here, like we usually do each week, but we're gonna touch on a lot of players throughout this. And you know, since we got four weeks in the book, I think everybody around C2C is kind of doing their first major overhaul of the rankings. Um, we're gonna be taking a look at uh, some of the movement today. Before we, started, let me ask you a question. The NFL draft is tomorrow. How many quarterbacks do we see going this round? Man, I think they always put this line on like, you know, DraftKings or whatever where you can bet. And I think they'll probably end up setting the line this year at three and a half. I think it's under that. I think we I think there are two deserving quarterbacks. I think we'll probably get three. I don't think there'll be more than that. And I think part of it's gonna be because I think there are so many okay prospects this year that they're not it, it's almost like the opposite where I don't think they're going to elevate an unworthy uh, guy overall. So I think three, I don't know if you want me to say who I, I think the, my favorite guy is or who I think will make it. But yeah, I think, I think three guys end up going in the first round. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I think there's going to be three here as well. You know, we always see the NFL kind of prop these guys uh, into the first round. I don't know if we're going to get that this year. Maybe they're being smarter with the way guys like Trey Lance and, and whoever else is, are kind of working out. Will Levis, even though he kind of fell into the second round there. Um, but maybe the NFL is starting to get smarter about those things. Um, but if you had to choose today, based on your rankings, and I, I mean, if anybody uh, hasn't heard it, um, Austin does a great podcast on the NIL feed podcast. It's for NIL members only, but he did a great deep dive into this quarterback three class where you can kind of hear his thoughts on every prospect um, kind of in this class right now. Um, so if you want more information, go check that out. But if you had to choose today based off your rankings, who's your quarterback three? Yeah, I think there's a difference between um... – kind of like most likely and who I think should go there. I think most likely is probably your guy, JJ McCarthy, just because yes, he's at Michigan and I think they're going to be a, a they're going to have a successful season. 
So, you know, I don't, I was going to say, I think they're going to be a good team this year. Like, yeah, no kidding. I think it's going to be a successful season. You know, I think they'll, they'll flirt with the playoff. I don't know if they'll get there or not, but you know, I think that's going to be enough to kind of get McCarthy there, especially with his kind of pedigree where he's always kind of been like a front runner for that, that spot. But my favorite's actually Michael Pratt. When I kind of went through and looked at everything and I still obviously have some games Mm. from this year to watch, but Pratt, just has like I've I've kind of been thinking more about like quarterbacks and like what kind of things I like uh, at, at a quarterback prospects and what I think they need to get to the NFL and I think uh, I think at this point in time like you need to be a pretty good athlete like even if you're not really a runner like you at least need to be able to to move around like I don't think you can I don't think Matt Ryan if he came into the NFL today I don't know that he would last long enough in the NFL to kind of prove himself I think that those guys are kind of gone I think you have to be fairly aggressive as a passer i i saw a stat like maybe six months ago in off-season twitter where someone said like there's no um like starting nfl quarterbacks that have averaged like below like nine eight odd or something throughout their their college career i I don't think that's the exact number but it just kind of shows like you can't just be like a dink and dunk specialist in college and then magically be more than that in the nfl and then i think you kind of have to have um, like a base level of accuracy as well. So kind of just looking at all those things, I actually think that that um, that Michael Pratt out of Tulane is kind of the guy that encompasses all of that. He's actually an underrated rusher, has multiple 300-plus yard rush seasons, which is pretty good for college. Um, over the past couple seasons, he's really cleaned up mechanically, and he's been like a 64 65% passer over the past two years. Um, he's He's been aggressive, double-digit ADOT both those years. So I think kind of looking at just the totality of work, I think that he really needs to be in there. And I think the really important thing for him, like I think that USC win is actually going to end up being really important for him because he was so good in that game. And I think that's going to be one where people can always point back to and say like, yeah, like maybe Tulane doesn't play an SEC schedule every year, but look what he did when he played the biggest and baddest teams on their schedule. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's one of those G5s that I think we're kind of watching this year. Me, me and Mike released some graphics earlier in the year of quarterback, like, watch lists that we're going. Guys are not really getting at all. He was on that list for us. When I looked into him a little bit the offseason, I liked a lot of what I too. What I kind of found a little bit of a bad downside for him kind of kept popping up was when he had to move, like, outside of the pocket, get a little bit out of structure – the mechanics kind of dipped a little bit. The accuracy dipped a little bit. The ball placement dipped a little bit. And, you know, kind of how in nowadays where that becomes a, a pretty big part of the game is being able to kind of work out a structure. That part worries me a little bit, but it's not as big. I still like to see the fact that the guy works a little bit better from the pocket. I still think that's the one thing you got to do. You already said it for me. Mine is going to be J.J. McCarthy. Um, I know he had that ugly game two weeks ago against Bowling Green, which, you know, should have should have never happened. Um, maybe it was one of those situations where they walked into the game taking it a little bit too easily. But, uh, you know, like I, I honestly think J.J. McCarthy would teach a clinic on how to throw a football. Like between the release, between the tight spiral, um, the ability to make every throw, hit three levels of the field. He, he just has really good arm talent, in, in my opinion. You know, I, I know we say we want to see him play more in structure, play within the pocket a little bit more, um, play with more timing and anticipation. I feel like I've seen a little bit of that this year you know you still see him holding onto the ball a little bit long at times and he loves to get up the pocket and he said it's just who he is but i think he has the kind of tools there the nfl team can fall with uh especially when you include the fact that he's a 21 
plus miles per hour athlete as well. Like, you know, I, I think he has a lot of things going for him, you know, a little bit skinny, hoping to kind of see him come up more around that 200, 205 range, maybe 210 if we're lucky. That'll probably never happen by the time the draft comes. But that's probably my one ding on him. And again, you have to structure stuff as well. But I mean, quarterback three classes is wide open here for a lot of guys. Um, I didn't write it on the show sheet here, but I heard you talking a little bit about him, waxing poetically about him a little bit on your podcast. Um, where do you have Spencer Rattler ranked right now? Yeah, so I actually I did bump Rattler up a little bit just because I thought like once I went through all this, I was like, well, I think I'm probably a little lower on Rattler. Like he should be above Bo Nix. He should be above. I yeah. think I had him like Joe Milton, KJ Jefferson. I think he's a better prospect than Riley Leonard. Um, quite frankly, Riley Leonard, when I went back, I, I've frankly never been impressed with Leonard's tape. But then I went and like looked at kind of these numbers and, and the data like he had his passing profile is really, really bad. Um, oh, yeah. Like it surprised me. Like I thought that it would be, you know, I didn't think it would be pristine, but but really, really shocked me. So I've kind of bumped him above all of those guys. I have him just below like Penix, Cameron Ward, uh, Jordan Travis. Like I think he belongs pretty squarely in that group. Um, and actually I have a, one or two guys in front of him that I need to adjust down. Like I, I, I would take him over Jalen Daniels, uh, Devin Leary, like it, a lot of those kind of iffy guys. I, I just think, He's been, we kind of liked him in 2020. And then he, this year has been about on par with how he was in that 2020 season when we kind of got excited for him. So um, yeah, I, I kind of like, I don't know, like I don't love the guy and I personally wouldn't touch him in the first two rounds, but I think an NFL team could be convinced based on what he's been doing this year so far. Yeah. I mean, when I look at Rattler, like, I don't know. I see a lot of arm talent there, man. Like I just, even watching that game against uh, Georgia the other day and watching him in compared to like Carson Beck, like I just see a lot of arm talent that's there. It's the boneheaded mistakes, everything between the ears with Rattler. Right. And I still think that someone on like the NFL level is going to think that they can fix him um, because you see a lot of that arm, the way the ball flies out of his hand, you know, sometimes the accuracy he has, but he just puts the ball in too many bad situations and forces it. He's trying to be, he's trying to will this team to win sometimes trying to put it all on his back. And I just don't think that he, he can do that with what's around him right there right now. And um, that offensive line is, isn't keeping him up very well either. So, um, but I actually have him as like, it feels high, man, but I was looking at my rankings and I have him as like a top 25 quarterback still. <laughs> I don't know if that's high. I don't know if that's the range you've got him in, but I, that's where I feel okay about him. Cause I still think he's going to see some things, some, uh, some capital. And I still like some of the things I see from him. Yeah. I'm looking at my rankings right now. I have him top uh, 25 for Debbie. Yeah. And I'm trying to find yeah. him. What I, put, I don't know where I put him in my C2C rankings, but he's got to be up there as well. But yeah, I think for, for Debbie, I have him. Yeah, I have him 23rd. And actually, when I make my adjustments here this week, there are at least two players in front of him, if not three, that will bump below him. So he, he he's going to be right around 20, which is I, I don't think I ever thought he'd get back to that range. No, yeah, it's been a little bit surprising, but yeah, there's still something there that just grabs my eye. Okay, let's talk other guys here. We know there's a lot of guys, the older guys, the, the Bo Nixes, the, the KJ Jeffersons, the guys who've been, Jordan Travis's. Give me one dark horse contender for a legitimate draft capital. It doesn't necessarily have to be first round, but maybe someone who goes in the second, Will Levis, um, or, or, or somebody who maybe gets a Hendon Hooker type capital in the third round. Who's your one guy you think can maybe make some noise on the NFL in the right situation? It's tough because I think what we consider dark horse and what like the general public, because we're just like sicko degenerate people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what we think is like a sleeper. Everyone else is like, you're like, what? Who, who the hell is that? Like you said, you, you would tell a normal person 
Jordan Travis and they, you know, they'd, they'd be like, oh, I, don't, I don't know who that is. So I think like if you really wanted to get like a sicko answer, I think it's Austin Reed. I saw uh, Nagy kind of talking about him the other day as a potential senior bowl guy. And I'm not personally on that train. And I think a lot of it's just because unlike some of these guys that are stuck in weird systems, like I think sometimes you can separate the player from the system. I have a really hard time at Western Kentucky with what they run, like looking at Austin Reed's body of work and saying like, yeah, I think that guy could be successful even if you take him outside of this kind of, you know, low A dot tempo motion type scheme um, that kind of almost just gets guys open uh, within the flow of the offense. But I think he, so I think like he's like the sicko answer, but I think the more kind of public friendly answer is, is actually Michael Penix. And I think it's going to be like it, the injury stuff has to check out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a lefty, which I think like actually does matter. Like I, I think some NFL teams won't like that. Um, but I do think in terms of like, when you're looking at all these different things, you know, his ability to uh, avoid sacks, he does very well. Um, his accuracy, his aggressiveness downfield, like all those things that I kind of like are definitely there with him. So I think he's kind of the one that I think could slide in there. Um, that isn't like getting serious NFL. Like he kind of is, but he kind of isn't. And I think he could be the guy that slides in there. Yeah. It's kind of been up and down with him, but he's been on fire to start the season. And yeah, the sack thing is something that I noticed too. He's, he has some, some shiftiness in the pot. He's not a mobile guy. He's not going to run for like first downs, but he has the way of climbing the pocket, navigating the pocket. That's actually pretty impressive about him. He's able to avoid sacks a lot of the time, which is nice to see. Um, the, the thing with the left thing too, there is something there a little bit famously. If you go back, uh, Jerry Rice talking about the differences between Montana and Steve, Steve Young back in the day, he said it was a huge adjustment transferring over to Steve Young, who was a lefty as well. The ball comes at a different way. It comes at a different angle. It spins differently when it comes. So there, there is some legitimacy to that, that maybe the NFL wouldn't, uh, wouldn't like a lefty per se. So um, definitely some nice, some nice targets there uh, of deeper guys. I'm going to go for a guy who's been having a little bit of a hot start to the season. Um, guy that we were on pretty, uh, pretty hard about a year ago and then kind of didn't have the season we wanted, but that's Washington state quarterback, Cameron Ward kind of a post-hype draft right now. And, and you know, his first season at Power 5 didn't go well, um, but it was a major step up for him in competition. I feel like sometimes we didn't give him that kind of leniency. We wanted to see it connect right away, and it just didn't right off the, right off the bat. You know, he really struggled to push the ball down the field. Um, he held on to it too long. Um, but we did see some of those incredible instincts in the pocket, uh, a very natural thrower of the football as well. You see him use, you know, multiple arm angles. Uh, and now this year, you're starting to see him push the ball down the field a lot more. I mean, He's already averaging a higher ADOT this year. Two weeks ago, he had 11.9 in the game, which is the highest in his career. He's already completed uh, the same amount or, or one less 20-yard uh, passes in four weeks than he did all last year. He had 42 20-plus 20, uh, 20 yard attempts last year, only converted 11 of them. He's already 10 for 19 this year. So he's already excelling a lot better down the field. I do want to see that internal clock get a little bit quicker with him. Um He's definitely got that little little Houdini in the pocket. And, you know, sometimes he thinks he can get away with this stuff. So I, I'm back in on Cameron Ward as a sneaky quarterback in this class. And, you know, I, I dropped a little bit of a lofty comparison on the tailgate this past weekend. But sometimes watching him in the pocket, man, it reminds me of Deshaun Watson running around in, in Houston, trying to avoid sacks and trying to find something down the field. Like, that's kind of that's kind of what he reminds me of a little bit. Do you think he comes out this year, Corey? Or do you think he stays? Because I think he has another year if he wants it. And this class is so loaded. Like, I do wonder if some of those guys start playing that game 
I think it all depends on how this year finishes off for him. If he continues playing like this throughout the season and like that hype starts to build inside NFL draft circles. And like we were talking about, we got a wide open race for quarterback three. If he starts hearing his name in contention for that spot, I don't know. I might, I might go with it and just take my hype. If I'm going to be playing this well, instead of taking another year, who knows what's going to happen or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit on the fence with it. I, I want to see how this year finishes, but if he plays like he's playing right now, I think he's going to, I think he's going to um, go to the draft. Yeah, fair enough. I, th- I think it's going to be fun to watch him, like him and Shadur and some of those guys make yeah. that decision. Shadur, I think, returns. I, re- I really do. I, I, I can't should. imagine that. He's- yeah, he should. I don't think he's ready yet. Um, let's move away from this 2023 class. I mean, a lot of talk about this over the last couple of weeks. Let's take a look at three sophomores that we're most excited about. Uh, probably talking about Penn State, Drew Atler, um, Texas A&M quarterback, Connor Wegman, and Clemson quarterback, Kate Klubnick. Are they still ranked in that order for you? They are, and I was just trying to see real quick to see if I had like snuck anybody in there in between because I've dropped Klubnik pretty far uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, but yeah, th- those are actually my top three guys in the class. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I, and I put the question here, who's your biggest worry of the group? And I think we can universally agree that both of our biggest worries of this group is Cade, who, you know, kind of low-hanging fruit here, just not a guy who's taken the step that we wanted to see with Garrett Riley coming in struggles to move through his progressions, uh, ends up just throwing it up or, you know, those slot options, taking those shallow crosses are working really well for him. But like you were talking about in the last episode or in your last episode, too, his ADOT is like six yards this year. It's all like yeah. his yards per attempt is so low. He just, he doesn't carry any elite traits either, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that arm strength, like if you have a perfect play for Kate Klubnik, where he has a, let's say a five-step drop, he gets to kind of, you know, the back end read and he can hit it in rhythm like the arm strength isn't an issue in those instances. And I think that's where people you, we kind of lose them when we talk about arm strength. Cause they're just like, look, you completed this, you know, 35 yard pass, um, you know, and basically one-on-one coverage to this guy. And it's like any, any like FBS quality quarterback should be able to make that throw. It's the throws where he can't really step into it or mm-hmm. he's, you know, got to kind of put it in like a really weird spot where only his guy can get to it. Like those are the kind of throws that he, I think his his lack of arm strength that we worried about just becomes really really apparent. Um, I'm yeah, I mean I, I don't know what you think overall about how he's looked this week. I've watched basically three Clemson games and I haven't been blown away in either in in really any of them. I think it's hard to blame the wide receiver play because I actually think their wide receiver play is fine this year. It's not great, but it's not as bad as it has been recently either. Yeah, there has to come a point where we're passing the blame a little bit. We keep saying these wide receivers aren't performing. These wide receivers aren't performing. Well, maybe it's the guys at the helm like DJU was and now Cade Klubnik not being able to to function this offense like we've seen in the past with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and what we're kind of used to seeing from this this Clemson team. He's I've watched a little bit of him and I just think, you know, he's, he's a guy who's quick to run sometimes. I don't think he has that big time athleticism either. So I don't know how that athleticism is going to translate when he likes to run. Um, and, and again, I think he, he struggles to go through his progressions when that first read is gone. It's either like a toss up to like one of his towering guys on the outside, or it's like tuck and run. And it's like, it, it just, it, it doesn't seem like a guy who's really taking the next steps that we wanted to see. I've dropped him a considerable amount. Like obviously I have JJ McCarthy in front of him. I can't remember who else I have in front of him, but but yeah, you're saying you haven't snuck any other 2025 uh, guys in between those guys, though. You know, the crazy part is I don't even think I've considered it. Like, no. I, I, and until we figure out like which of these guys is going to stay in school for another year. I mean, I think the only guy that I guess Garrett Nussmeyer, like I, yeah. I, I don't know, I, and he's barely played. Like, I, there's nobody even close 
in my rankings. And I think part of it's due to just that really old group of COVID quarterbacks that won't leave. No, those guys have hung around forever. And this class is so oversaturated with those old guys now that it's like, yes. it's hard to figure out where the hell everybody's going to go and who's going to go where. Like, it's it's a very tough, we kind of worried about this when this whole COVID thing was coming that there was going to be these these groups of, of draft classes that were so saturated with guys that's like, it's kind of hard to f- figure them all out. But it's, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I wrote like you were talking about that that podcast that I was doing for the NAL guys, and then I write it in article form for everybody, and I expound more when I talk on it. Um, but I wrote six whole pages on <laughs> wow. the quarterbacks in this upcoming class unintentionally. Like when I sat down, I, I did not intend to do that, and I didn't even write about Cameron Ward, KJ Jefferson, Joe Milton, um, uh, Carson Beck uh don wow. like and then you know you can get into like you know the walker howards donovan smith dju uh grayson mccall or like i didn't write about any of those guys like i just i, I ran out of or not walker howard will howard i ran out of I, I ran out of time and space like there's just so many quarterbacks that are like mid-tier hanging around in college right now it's crazy yeah, it wouldn't surprise like there's a there's a bunch of guys in this class that it wouldn't surprise me to see them starting one day for an NFL team on a Sunday, whether it's as a backup or whatever. And there's a the same group of guys. I would not be surprised if none of them take a snap in the league. So it's 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 really hard group to kind of figure out. Let's get away from those old guys. Okay. Let's talk about some of the freshmen in this class early on. I don't know if there's been any movement for you in the group overall, but is there any kind of takeaways you've had from this class to start with? Yeah, no, no real takeaways. I think, um, I think Jackson Arnold looked a little better than I thought he would right out of the gate, and he's kind I, of a guy. That I'd I agree think, with that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's looked good. Have you watched uh, any of his snaps that he's gotten? I actually haven't watched a lot of Jackson Arnold. Oklahoma, they're getting into a lot of blowouts now <laughs> where they're like just running up the score on teams. These guys are getting it. It's not the easiest games to watch a lot of the time, but I know he's getting in. He's playing well. He had that one, the week one game where he went like what a, a perfect like 11 for 11 or like 11 for 12 or something where he looked really good. But I do, I, I still want to see if he's going to be a guy who can get in kind of towards the end of the year or something. I don't like, I don't know about you, but I don't think Oklahoma is going to, be in major contention for a playoff or anything like that. I don't know if Dylan Gabriel's the guy either. I'd like to see Jackson Arnold get in at some point and kind of show us what he can do with this offense. I would like that too. I think I'd, I really want to see him. I really want to see Nico get a couple games. I think we know by now that Joe Milton is probably probably not probably a little better than we thought he was. Probably a little worse than like people hoped he was. If that if that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. So I I like those two. And then my sixth guy is who played a little bit this year and looked really good is Lor- Lenora Sellers. I'm still yeah. all aboard the Sellers train. He, I forget, at their second or third game of the year, he got in and he went like four for four for 110 yards and a touchdown or something. It was ridiculous. it was the best four passes I've ever seen. I'm t- I'm telling you right now, it was so good. Like he hit that nice back shoulder throw. He hit the perfect deep ball in in timing. He had the play where uh, he had to run outside the pocket. Like I'm telling you, for it was like it reminded me of like when Drew Aller when he got into the game last year. And always all I saw was that pass, like his second pass of the game in between two defenders where he dropped it and the guy dropped it. But it was the most perfect pass I've ever seen. I'm like, that's it. I'm sold on this guy. Like the minute I saw it from Sellers, I was like. Oh my God, this guy's gonna be a star. I mean, if anybody, the, the, like everybody, obviously knows about Lenora Sellers, but obviously at C two C, he's he's our favorite, like under the radar guy. Like you know, we, we kind of think there's some things there in recruiting that held him back, the injury that maybe he kind of fell a little bit under recruited under the radar a little bit. But yeah, he looks like he's gonna be the next guy for South Carolina next year. And just he went four for four 
for 86 yards, two touchdowns with an ADOT of 22 and a half. Amazing. <laughs> that's so odd. That's your, that's your, I mean, you guys had a show on Debbie debate. You're the next Anthony Richardson. You guys are going to kill his value. I'm never going to be able to get him after this year, but <laughs> I'll start, I'll start strategically like poo pooing him. Why, why can't he get on the field? Yeah. Why, why, you know, he's not playing at all. Yeah. Uh, the one guy we'll talk about here a little bit uh, coming up into the year. I kind of had three guys hanging around my tier two, which was uh, Aiden Childs, Lonor Sellers, and then uh, Jane Rashada. I think, you know, once he got the starting gig here, um, you know, being h- hooked up with Dillingham there, like I, I, I kind of like the connection here. I think it's headed for good things. Uh, I saw, I liked some of the things I saw. There was some things, you know, maybe he uh, maybe the speed of the game was a little bit too much. He was a little bit slow processor at times. Um, but I think there's a lot of upside there. I kind of like him as quarterback six in this class. Um, have you liked what you saw from Rashad this year in the small sample size that we got? Yeah, I definitely didn't think he looked bad. I expected him to look really bad, honestly. Not like even mm-hmm. necessarily because of him. I just like this team is, re- it is really very not, not very good for Arizona State. I think he looked... Uh, um, like fine, which is good for a true freshman kind of playing. Do you know what? Have you heard what the injury is that he's that he's dealing with right now? I haven't. I, it was just undisclosed. I know he, he's got like a six to eight week timeline, and that they they could redshirt him, so he, we might not see him again this year. I was gonna say, do you think that? Do you think this is just like a redshirt thing? It could be, yeah. Like maybe they just want to just you know this team's not going anywhere anyways. Let's just redshirt him, and you know we're not gonna rush him back on the injury. Like that, that that's really what it could be at the end of the day. Yeah, but I, he, yeah, I don't think he looked bad at all. So, um, not, uh, I, he definitely didn't hurt himself, uh, in my eyes, which I thought he might, uh, do quite honestly. Yeah, I, I do just want to give it a little, you know, we're talking freshman here. Um, just a shout out to a guy that I've been kind of interested throughout the process. I think some people liked him a little bit more way earlier in the process. Maybe that's when I got hooked to him. Um, okay, but, I'm going to talk about Miami quarterback Emory Williams a little bit. It's just a little bit of a traits guy, a little bit of a pop, like your pocket passer archetype, a uh, little bit of movement, really good arm. But it seems like Emory Williams has jumped Ja'Curry Brown, who obviously didn't look that good that last year, hasn't had great reports. But Emory Williams did have great reports during the spring. He's carried that into the season now, and he's the guy who's taking all the reps when Tyler Van Dyke gets uh, gets relieved. So he seems like he's going to be the guy to take over uh, for Miami next year. And he's kind of a big kid with some traits. It's just kind of sneaky, just some sneaky good qualities there too. I know, I think Colin Decker likes him a little bit too. So just a little bit of a deeper guy there that at least caught my attention. Um, looking at this whole quarterback group, is there any new names just on the radar uh, through the first four weeks here? Um, Like I haven't sat down and been able to watch a lot of the true freshmen that are playing, mm-hmm. which is like, we thought this was a good quarterback class, but you've got, uh Keon Jenkins at, at FIU you've had Calandria at Virginia who it sounds like he's they're, they're taking that job away as you talked about earlier uh for now but yeah I mean true freshman starter there and then this kid from uh, Arkansas State whose name uh, Jalen Rainer yeah yeah like I, these guys are coming out of freaking nowhere I haven't really had a chance to watch uh any of them except for Calandria yet I, I I'm not a Calandria guy right now um no also really hard to say like this guy's a bum as like a true freshman that was probably not expecting to play. So I'm, I'm not going to go that far, but um, those guys are really catching my eye that like, I, I want to watch a little more of them. Cause I, they weren't really on my radar and like, even, even at a bad program to come in as a true freshman, um, especially like in Rainer's case, like I don't, he wasn't even ranked. I think he had like a 70 from 24 seven sports or two uh, or something like that. Like just a mm. really low rank, like to go in start by week four. That's, that's 
pretty interesting. And with the transfer portal now, you know, if he's good for this year and next year, maybe he he moves to Tulane or, you know, kind of like a lower tier, you know, Houston or something like that and, and gives it a shot. I, I think those guys are more interesting than they would have been a couple of years ago where you could have just waved your hand and said, uh, it's, it's Arkansas State, it's, it's FIU. Like, I, I do think it's really, really interesting that those guys are uh, playing and, and score, like playing well and, and, and leading offenses to, to higher heights than they were at before. Yeah. I think a lot of this has to do with that COVID thing too, is where maybe there's a, there's an end of G five quarterbacks who are getting a little bit more opportunity because Power five programs are filling their open quarterback vacancies with like a vet they're grabbing or like this guy was good in the G five last year. Let's bring him up and let's see what he can do here. And the, so there's, you're getting more opportunities in the G five for guys like this to kind of pop. And maybe we're going to kind of find somebody like a Michael Pratt with some tools that are kind of interesting. One guy that I did kind of want to talk about here is a guy who's starting for Boston college, who's much more of an athlete than a quarterback, but that's Thomas Castellano. Do you want to give me a good pronunciation of that name? I've been told I was wrong. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, we'll say it the English way possible as we can. Mr. Thomas Castellano. Uh, he's been playing court, uh, for BC a little bit. There are a lot of people talking about it. I thought he was worth bringing up at least. Super d- dynamic guy as a rusher. Um, there's been times I watching him. I turned away, came back for a second. I'm like, who's that wide receiver running with the ball down the field? Like, and it's Castellano. It's just a very natural person, our player with the ball in his hands. Obviously, the passing leaves something to be desired here. But you look at the box score. It actually doesn't even look that bad. Uh, over 250 passing yards each of the last two games. Eight touchdowns to two interceptions. Um, just about 303 touchdowns on the ground as well. He's just super small. 5'11", 195 pounds. And maybe the arm talent just isn't there. But I think there's a chance that we could be looking at maybe the next Malik Cunningham. Maybe a guy who maybe might, they might try to make him switch positions along the way if he makes it to the NFL. I know they tried that with Malik Cunningham a little bit, switching him to wide receiver. But, you know, a guy that at least, you know, for your C2C, you can probably lock him in as a starter every week with the way he's playing. But maybe just a guy to keep an eye on. I will never uh, call him that because Felix really liked him coming out of high school. And that's just not, I, I'm not willing to give <laughs> Felix that, that win. So uh, no, no. Yeah. I, th- I think I saw, I think I saw a little bit of a tweet for him that, uh, that if he ever figures it out as a passer, but I don't know, there's things that we, there's guidelines we try to follow when we're in Debbie, you know, and looking at a five eleven sub 200 pound quarterback is tough. I mean, even Bryce Young, I think people are trying to be a little skeptical about him in the NFL so far, but um, that's, that's a discussion for another day. The only other guy, Stanford quarterback, Ashton Daniels got started as a sophomore. He's had some injury issues and he's been a little bit in and out of the lineup a little bit, but good zip on the arm, good size. He's done some things that I kind of like. Going to see how he continues this off season. I don't, I haven't even like thrown him in my rankings yet, but just a guy that I'm tossing on the radar for right now. Um, let's move on to the running back position. Um, let's start again here with the upcoming class. Pretty underwhelming group overall to start the season, at least. You know, Travion splitting a lot of snaps. Um, Raheem Sanders is injured. Trey Benson underwhelming to start the season. Raylan Allen has actually had a pretty decent start to this to this year in the new scheme. Uh, added some receiving stats to pad the profile a little bit because they're not like downfield targets or anything. But numbers are numbers, and it looks good in the profile. I think, can we agree that those four names are still at the top for you? Uh, yeah, they are. There's not... I wouldn't say there's anybody that's really terribly close. I mean, I do think that, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Cause you, you got an, you got a guy you want to talk about here, but the guy, your guy here is the next yeah. closest uh, guy to that group for me. Okay. Well, let's just get right uh, into really, it. Like after that, not close. Yeah. Let's just get right into it here. Then there, there's the guy here that I want to talk about. Obviously we started the year out very well. Um, 
we're looking at a couple of guys who we think could hop into that that upper tier, maybe become a top five running back in this class. The next highest guy that I have ranked, um, and again, redid my rankings, and I'm surprised how high he ended up. And I think I'm gonna, I might regret it. Maybe it might come down a little bit, but like he's like a top fifteen running back for me right now in Devi, and that's Devin Neal, Kansas running back. This guy just gets better year after year after year. He's just a monster when he gets the volume. Uh, he's super efficient when he doesn't get the volume. And that's kind of been the problem through the years is that they just, they, they always are working another guy in. They're still doing it this year with Hinshaw, Hinshaw or whatever. Um, but they seem to be com- um, committing to him a little bit more now. He's a great weapon in the passing game as well. 5'11", 210 pounds. And I just think as a runner, he showed like a level of maturity and patience at the line this year. Like, I feel like it's taken another step this year. The game is like really slowing down for him. You know, he's waiting at the right times waiting for those holes to open up, pressing the line in the right spots, getting downhill quickly when he needs to. He's really got some good burst to his game too. The athleticism is there. The biggest thing here is obviously playing at Kansas. And if he's going to get the recognition he deserves, I mean, you posted that tweet a little bit while ago from Matt Miller, who is a borderline scout. We can call him that if we want, who talked about all the Kansas players that he was watching when he was at the game. Didn't he mention Devin Neal? So it just shows you that he's not very much in the eye of, of, of the NFL draft scouts right now, but who knows, maybe that could even change this weekend with a nice big performance against Texas. Yeah. I, that, that just like blew my mind that he listed like their freaking fullback. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and it's not like he hasn't been productive in the past either. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it really makes you wonder about what Matt Miller's doing. Um, if you weren't already, but yeah, I mean, I, he's, I mean, at the very least, like he's really athletic, right? Like even yeah. if he's not an amazing pure rusher, which everyone seems to want to talk about nowadays, he, I think he has the athleticism to hang around the NFL for a while and be pretty effective. Yeah. And he has been productive in the past as well, but it, it has been kind of this, they haven't committed to him. He's had these big games. He'll have a big game here, a big game there. And maybe it's just not happening in the national eye. Maybe it's not happening when it's supposed to or, or in front of the right people. But yeah, he just, he has a profile on paper. When you look at it, it warrants a day two selection easily with the passing upside, the size, everything he's done. Like it warrants a day two selection. But um, outside of Devin Neal, is there anybody else that you're kind of into that you think could kind of climb up into, into that upper tier? Oh, baby. Wait, do I have a name for you, Corey? I know we love Chip Trianum for so long. Oh, my God. I just saw that you wrote his name here. That's amazing. Yes, sir. He's back. <laughs> yeah. He's back. Do you, okay, well, but do you really – do you think that he might not just, like, stay again and, and be Ohio State's running back next year? He could. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like – does he have self-confidence issues? Like he was such a good running back and he's like, nah, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go play fly. I don't know if I'm good. Enough. I, don't, I don't know what he was thinking that he just know. went and like wasted a year and a half of his career, essentially playing linebacker. I think he's got an NFL history at running back. He's a, like, he, he forces a ton of missed tackles. He's like physical. He picks up a ton of yardage after contact. He can catch the ball. He's got pretty good hands. I, I don't, like he's they they won a thumper on that team and he basically went in and stole Mayan Williams job and it took like one game against Indiana. I I think he's like legitimately good. But yeah, I mean, I guess he could go back for another year, lead that backfield. It's not like they have uh, a lot behind him there if Travion and Mayan do leave. I mean, it's also a chance. I think all of them have eligibility. Maybe we'll see see all three back there next year. I, I don't yeah. really know. But I, yeah, I mean, I think he's just good. Like, I think he's just a good football player. 
Absolutely, man. If anybody who doesn't know, like me and Austin way back in the day, like this is probably a player very early in our stages of talking that we connected on like pretty good. Like we, this is kind of like one of our guys that we loved. I mean, even back in the high school, like, this guy's just a football player, right? Like this guy was in the championship game in high school, switching to corner because they were having trouble covering their, the top wide receiver. And then he like locks them down and then he goes to play linebacker. And then he's playing running back on the other side. And it's just like starts as a true freshman at Arizona state looks good. And, you know, uh, Rashad White got worked in a little, a lot there at Arizona State too. I don't know if that kind of affected him wanting to leave and maybe find an opportunity somewhere else. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing or if he has some ties at Ohio that he wanted to go back to. But I'm super happy to see this development. I love this call from you. In relation to this, though, like I've absolutely cratered Dallin Hayden. Like I don't, I don't think I don't even know if he's a Devi asset anymore. Like I don't, I wouldn't be taking Dallin Hayden anywhere uh, if I had the opportunity to. I have dropped him probably like 20 to 25 spots, but I've, I've actually dropped mine in a little bit more. And I think that too. Yeah. I just talked to Felix so much and he eventually kind of like the, the more nonsense he says, like you just get used to hearing nonsense and you're like, that does make sense. Like you're, I think, you know, you could be right. And I, I yeah. jumped, I dropped Mayan the whole way up to, I think my RB 19 before the season began, I was like, yeah, I mean, he kind of is like Ramondre Stevenson, but and maybe yeah. he is, but obviously, you know, Ohio State doesn't necessarily think so at this point in time. So I, yeah. I think he's pretty screwed too. Felix hit on, well, I don't know if we want to call it, we can call it Zach Wilson. And then he hit on Ramondre Stevenson, both getting like good draft and becoming something in the NFL that we never expected. Now, ever since then, every time he says somebody, we have to be like, well, he kind of worked for you when you did this time. So maybe I kind of kind of got to listen to you. He's very convincing, very, very, very smooth talker. It's hard. I, it's hard. It's hard to, to bypass him sometimes. I argue <laughs> with him because if I just acquiesce, like if we all just like lay down and said, yeah, like I bet he's really good Felix, we'd get to three years in the future and he would still hit us with mocked and ridiculed anyway. Like he's <laughs> legit doesn't matter. So might as well get our money's worth in the arguing. I'm still waiting for O'Meary to catch or Troy O'Meary to catch a touchdown and then be called mocked and ridiculed for not talking about Troy. He O'Meary caught anyway. one there, didn't he? <laughs> Did he catch a touchdown? Oh, I didn't I even think know that. So. Like in their their <laughs> opener or something. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm surprised I didn't hear about it then. So um, let's let, let's uh, look at this running back group as a whole. Um, who's one or two of your biggest risers through through the first four weeks here? Um, he did catch it. He has, he has one catch this year for three yards and a touchdown, by the way. So oh, see, look uh, at that. Nice. That's a win. That's a hit. That's a win. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to talk about kind of some of the freshmen that came out of nowhere in a few minutes here. So I'll skip over them. I think, uh, Caleb Jackson, you know, when you just kind of see a guy and you just like, you don't even have to see a lot of them. You just kind of know they belong. I think Jackson uh, is definitely one of those guys. Um, he hits like a freaking truck. He runs like a 10, seven, hundred he's i think he can be really really good at at at, uh lsu and i think if your league mates are sleeping a little bit because he's not playing a ton yet you can probably still get him for uh pretty cheap and and pretty much any kind of format um so i think he's interesting and then demond claiborne is the other guy that i've really liked this year at uh wake forest and they refuse to give him kind of the touches that he's due which is probably going to scare him away like they scared away kenneth walker but he's gained like 20 pounds. He's he's allegedly over 200 pounds at this point. Um, he's averaging about five yards a carry. He's been pretty effective in pretty much any kind of situation except for, you know, short yardage goal line kind of stuff. He's missing just an exorbitant amount of tackles on a per-touch basis. He's got like just crazy wiggle. He's He's got really good burst. I think he's like a 10-500 guy. So I think he definitely has a role in the NFL 
And like, would it shock me if he ends up kind of being like a James Cook kind of guy? I, I don't think it would just based on his profile right now. Yeah, I know, Mike, when we were doing our, our conference previews, I think, I don't, I don't want to give Mike too much credit here, but I think he brought up Claiborne in those previews as well, um, talking about him maybe getting a little bit of buzz in the offseason as well, someone in climb. So, yeah, he's definitely someone that should be on the radar. I don't actually think I have him ranked. So he's someone I got to dive into a little bit more, take a look at the game tape a little bit. Uh, two of my guys here, um, the first one I'll just be very quick with, um, Mr. LaQuint Allen at Syracuse. Anybody who's listened to me this show or followed me on Twitter for a little while, you know I'm a fan of LaQuint Allen uh, as an underrated guy. Um, he just started the year really well for Syracuse. Uh, very efficient. He's kind of meeting the expectations that I hoped for him after taking over for for uh, Sean Tucker. Slasher as a runner, really good weapon in the receiving game, um, which was a big part of the profile that I liked. You know, and especially since Aranda Gadsden's been out, he's actually seen a little bit of an uptick in receiving as well since then. So again, a guy we just talked about recently, very similar player to Rashad White in my in my opinion. Um, just need to see that weight come up a little bit, but seeing him start the year out well as as made me feel better about being a little bit more aggressive with him as kind of like a my guy. Um, but I, I like him quite a bit. And then the other guy here who you guys have been super high on, I've always been a little bit resistant because, of course, G5 running backs and whatever. But it's time for me to buy in here, man. That's Boise State running back Ashton Genty. Um, without George Lonnie here, man, he's looked dynamic. He's looked efficient. Um, he had the one blip on the radar like two weeks ago. Um, but I mean, he's, he's, he's been dynamic in the passing game, um, just under 300 receiving yards in the, on the season. I mean, the last three games alone, including that little blip against UND, he's accounted for 539 yards and six touchdowns just in the last three weeks alone. Like good size, 5'9", 210 pounds. The problem is with these G5 teams, like they're, they're so unmatched when they, in, you know, especially in the trenches when they play tougher opponents, you know, we, we saw them struggle a little bit on the ground when they played Washington. He still came over with a uh, hundred receiving yards in that game as well. But that's kind of always the tough part about the, about the evaluation with them. Um, but he's definitely, he's starting to carry the torch as, as one of the few G5 running backs that I, uh, I think deserve a nice place in our rankings. I've currently got him as a top 30 running back um top 30 interesting i think i have him just outside that i like i don't know how good of an athlete he is that's going to be the end up being the big question for me at 5 8 they have him listed i believe at 205 i don't i i don't think i believe that um you have to be a pretty good athlete like i i've i've always compared him to kyron williams like that's been my comp for years and uh kind of funny how that's all be come a, a little more full circle come here full circle, yeah. yeah so i mean like <laughs> it can work in the nfl i guess although i don't know we were right we were right there. yes so <laughs> I, I think he'll be like i think he can be a solid nfl player for sure i think at worst like he's basically a receiver like playing running yeah. back like re really so you know I, I do think he you know maybe you can use him almost as like an extension of the running game as kind of a situational like slot guy you know like you know screens and and, and on motion and stuff like that I, I think a creative nfl offense coordinator could have a lot of fun with him even though he's not like you know some uber athletic uh freak crazy guy yeah i've so i've got him at running back 29 currently so you know just just right on that third range maybe i'm getting a little bit hyped up over the start of the season but yeah he, he looks pretty good only the only g5 running back that's even at like the top 50 of my running back rankings i'm pretty sure um on the flip side though who has been the biggest fallers for you in your rankings uh, in this uh, running back group here 
Yeah, I think the biggest one that jumps out to mind right away is Jarquez Hunter, who I had yeah. creep into my top like 22, 23. Well, that was um, your fault already. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have let him creep out that high already. I yeah, I let everybody <laughs> kind of talk me into him too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like after his freshman year, like I have so many tweets out there where people are like, Where's Jarquez Hunter? And you're and I was like, I think yeah. Jarquez Hunter kind of stinks, and people will get really upset about it. And I was like, like he, if you watched him and you watched Tank Bigsby, he was clearly like half the running back Tank was, but because he put up like these big performances against just awful opposition, it's Jade mm-hmm. not all over again. Yeah, yeah, people were like all over this guy. Once the SEC play rolled around the past two years, he was just awful, and he's been awful all around this year. Plus the situation that sounds like they ended up not caring at Auburn surprise surprise Hugh Freeze so he's <laughs> he's like dropped out of my top 60 running backs he'll probably continue to fall he's just been terrible and honestly that whole running back room has been bad this year so it could be some offensive line issues as well but I mean I think I thought Damari Alston was could could flash a little bit here too and he he really hasn't either no, he was a guy that I actually liked kind of like as an underrated guy. He's like a very productive guy in high school. Um, maybe didn't have like that one elite trait, Damari Alston I'm talking about here. And um, but he had like his offer sheet was like ridiculous. He had like 53 offers or something, or like so, like, like something's absolutely ridiculous to the point where I was like, okay, maybe there's something about this guy that everybody wants with him. So maybe there's something I'm missing. And that was kind of part of the reason I was a little bit on it. But yeah, not really showing much with that opportunity. He's actually injured. I just read, I don't, he looks like he's going to miss a couple of weeks there, but yeah, Jarkas Hunter, I'm, I'm pretty proud of me and Mike on that one. We've been, we, we tried to stay as strong as possible. I know that we kind of tickled with bumping him up a little bit here and there, but um, he's just dropped off a cliff now. So yeah, not really somebody that I'm uh, super interested in there. My first guy, Big faller for me, kind of a low hanging fruit here though. But but Javante Barnes at Oklahoma, um, it's either the foot issues or his, his own inability to, to to really make any any headway in this running back room. I mean, they're running out Marcus Major, they're walking out a walk on a, a Tawi Walker there in, in most games as their lead guy. He did lead the team in rushing last week, but it was like a blowout where he just got a bunch of carries at the end of the game. So perhaps he's missing that defining trait that makes his role like his role at the next level makes sense to me he's kind of falling in this bucket of a bunch of other like well-rounded players that's missing missing. You need something to make you stand out. Sometimes if you're a player, that's not really in the top tier of your guys, like you need something. And I don't think that he has any of that right now. There's still some time for him to figure it out, but I've dropped him quite a bit. He's sitting in my running back 45 right now. Did you see today? Um, uh, somebody in the media asked, I guess, I think it was Venables. What's going on that him and Sawchuck aren't playing. And he was, he just said like, uh pra- like why are they behind and he just said practice so i guess the yeah. practice um uh kind of habits aren't aren't great which is you know even if he's awesome i think that's pretty concerning yeah definitely i mean I, I, again i don't know much of the foot is is holding him back from practicing too everything everything everybody's saying is that he's healthy enough to be practicing so he should be right but i mean even with that foot issue even if he was playing the best he was playing i might have even lowered him a little bit because of the foot issue because i'm worried about how that's going to affect him at the nfl level or once they get the medicals on that if they're going to be wanting to invest in a guy with that kind of a lingering problem that could kind of be a chronic thing going on um the other guy here uh that's a little bit of a dropper for me caleb johnson out of iowa this is a guy that yeah. i think you were you were there too we had some big hopes for him coming in. Um, nice freshman season last year. Kind of took the job down the stretch. 
um, put some weight on this offseason. And it seemed like they were, you know, gearing up to kind of ride him this season as the guy starts out wildly inefficient, man. Like he's 2.7 yards per carry through the first two games then proceeded to get injured while all the other running backs in the room seem to do just fine behind the same line, in the same situations. You know, I, I still think it's a good process that we did for us to get in on, on early on a potential breakout like this. And, 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 and like I ranked him, you know, I think he was somewhere in my upper twenties by the time the off season started, he looked promising last year, but I mean, you're not going to hit on everybody and it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out with him. It, at least it's trending that way for Caleb Johnson. Who's now he's dropped into my forties, my running back now. Yeah. I've dropped him down. Um, and I, yeah, I did have some pretty nice hopes for him uh, coming into the year. I've got him down with like Carson Steele yeah, Cardwell, Ladamian Webb, like these guys that maybe get to the NFL if they're lucky, but are really one-dimensional players. And he's, I mean, every running back there is pretty much has outperformed him this year, which is uh, not great. No, not great at all. I mean, Noah Hills prides himself on that type of evaluation of running backs, you know, comparing them to their backfield mates. And if you're going to go off that, he's not doing very well right now. Um, let's talk some freshmen here. Now, if I were to tell you that I have Minnesota running back Darius Taylor ranked as a top 25 running back, you would say. Are you high? No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I might be. I might be. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this is just, you know, type of thing where like, you know, I kind of picked him up. You know, if you listen back to our show in February, we talked we did a freshman sleeper show that maybe just because it's a sleeper that we picked, like I'm oversaturating his value a little bit because it's like becoming this, this big hit. But, you know, I, I like a lot of the things he has. He's got good size. He's got athleticism. It seems to be there enough. Uh, I think our recruiting team had him at a 20 point something miles per hour time, 20.5, something like that. Um, and, you know, as a foreign wide receiver in high school, we're not seeing the receiving production, but I feel pretty good about the potential as a pass catcher, even if it's not going to get shown much in this system. Um, you know, I, we're going to see three years of this type of production from him for a guy to, to perfect his craft in the system as well. Like it might be aggressive here, but like, I like him a lot, man. Like, so he's right now looking at my rankings. He's my running back five in the whole class. I've dropped Selden outside to six for him being at number five. Yeah. I haven't actually like watched, uh, him the past couple weeks yet. So I've been hesitant to give like a real, um, kind of Debbie response. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about it on campus life this week. And I think like if this continues, I think at worst you, you rank him kind of where you would have Damien. Um, um, Martinez. Uh, yes. Thank you. That's like, yeah. totally went out the back of my head. Yeah. I think you have to put him near kind of how we valued Martinez last year. Like a guy like, you know, is, it might be an adequate athlete and is just producing at a rate right now that it, that, you know, I, I think they get, to the NFL. It's just how, how projectable is kind of their skill set? Is it just kind of, you know, are they an average NFL back? Um, So I I don't have like a, I haven't, I don't have like an eye test answer. I'm just looking at the, the numbers and what they tell me, but I mean, he's been explosive. He's making a ton of guys miss. Um, So I think, you know, I think early signs are encouraging. I haven't put him in my Debbie rankings yet. I've only put him in my C2C rankings, but mostly again, just because I haven't watched them. So I don't know exactly what I would value him at in that kind of a format. Uh, and which is where, where did you put him in your C2C? If you don't mind. Yeah, good question. I have him right around four, uh, 34, 34. Okay. I have him with um, Parker Jenkins, with Ashton Genty, with Audric Estime, like some of these guys that I'm not really sure on the NFL projection, but they're crushing it right now for college fantasy type uh, purposes. 
Yeah, so I like that. And I like one other guy I want to talk about here is Houston running back Parker Jenkins, who just kind of broke out a little bit um, this past weekend against Sam Houston State. So, I mean, we have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. They also had an injury in the backfield. I believe Tony Mathis was injured. So I'm not. we have to see if this is going to kind of continue. But it sounds like you're ranking him pretty aggressively there somewhere in your 30s there. Are you liking what you're seeing from him? You have a pretty good uh, faith that he's going to keep this job going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think they don't have anybody – else there i don't know that minnesota's some hot destination this offseason that they're going to bring somebody in over him so i think yeah it, the job's his if as long as he doesn't get hurt really and you know again like yeah i for debbie i don't know but a, a guy that i think you can safely say if he's healthy you're, you're getting three or four probably pretty good years out of him in, in college as a running back that's pretty valuable i think overall yeah uh, looking at some other guys who have kind of broken out in the past couple of weekends, um, you know, we're looking at LJ Martin over at BYU. We're looking at Parker Jenkins has had uh, a nice day for Houston. We're looking at uh, even Dylan Edwards, who I'm not really um, ranking right now as a Debbie prospect, uh, maybe as a pass catching back. Like, like you're Naeem Hines type, maybe if he can reach that. Um, even Jeremiah Love getting a lot more run than I expected at Notre Dame. It's definitely a little bit of an interesting group. How are some of those guys shaking out for you? Who are you feeling the best about? Um, for some of these recent breakouts and who are you feeling the worst about? I'm suffering, I think, and I'm trying not to, but I, it's just like, I can't help it at the moment. I think I'm suffering a bit of like that anchoring effect with LJ Martin coming out of high school. I honestly just didn't really think he was very impressive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've only watched about half of a BYU game this year. They're usually on in that primetime slot. And that's just not, I, I'm going to watch the primetime game. Um, <laughs> I like, haven't been blown away with what he's doing this year. Yeah. I don't think he looks like he's special by any stretch. I do think that there's a really decent chance again, based on very limited watching and my prior opinion of him, please do not shoot the messenger here. As I say this, that like, he's a guy that going into next year, like he does, like this becomes a committee or he loses the job or like I, I he, he, I think just, just based on so far this year, he would be a guy that if people are still really big on him after this year, I'm probably selling him. I, I just haven't been impressed with Martin at all, quite frankly. The other guys, you know, love is at least has like the athleticism to hang his hat on. So does Jenkins. He's like a 98th percentile on field speed score in our database. Like, I don't know what LJ Martin really hangs his hat on from like an athleticism or like a game, you know, kind of like a play style perspective, quite frankly. I think I saw somebody, you actually put out the tweet today how to rank some of these guys and you're asking opinions. Someone wrote that um, in your comments that he reminded them of Arian Foster, which like that's a very lofty thing. But I think that kind of encapsulates how we're thinking here in a sense like Arian Foster was undrafted guy, not super athletic kind of one on being super smart in between the tackles and, and understanding your, your gaps, when to press the hole, being a very good running back in the ulterior things outside of all athleticism. That's kind of like the path that I think LJ Martin is going to have to have in order to become something in the NFL, because I agree with you. I don't think I see the explosiveness. I don't think I see some of the, like the high end athleticism. I think he's going to win by having to be a smart running back. You know, you're James Robinson types, you know, that someone's going to have to, he, he's going to have to be smart in between the tackles and, and no one to press his, his luck and no one to go outside and, and understand his, his uh, limitations at the next level, if he's going to kind of get there. Um, Wrapping up the running back group here, has there been just anybody you've thrown on the radar here? Um, maybe you've added them to your rankings. Maybe you haven't yet. Uh, maybe just pretty conservatively until you see a little bit more. Yeah, I think 
running backs, I actually haven't added a ton of guys this year. I think it's just still so thin colleges right now at running back. Like there haven't been a ton of guys that I, I wasn't like paying attention to at all that have kind of broken out. But the one guy that I think has impressed me uh, considerably this year is Jordan James at Oregon. We, I think as a group liked him a decent amount last year. I know, I think Felix and I were the highest two on him. We had him as like a borderline top 10 back in the class. Uh, kind of one of those uh, low center of gravity meatball kind of guys that yeah. just defenders slip off of. Um, and he's uh, been really good again this year. Uh, kind of, I guess he's the RB2 for them. I, I don't know if he's like, for sure solidified that job because sometimes no Whittington gets in sometimes it's him but I, I think like he's a better pro prospect than um uh, 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 uh Marquise Irving Bucky Irving I, I just think he's got really good Absolutely. size he's he's kind of got that NFL build um I think it's really going to come down to like does he have a three down skill set or is he more like Zach Moss but I think he gets there for sure I, I've been I've been pretty intrigued that he's Got that job because I was worried if he didn't do anything this year, then it was just going to they're going to roll out um, uh, Dowdle or, or Lamar or one of those guys that came in this year. But I think if Irving leaves this year, I think he has the inside track at like either a 1A, 1B situation or starter at Oregon. Yeah, maybe kind of like that Andrew Paul type of mold uh, kind of guy that bounced yeah. off a lot of guys. But um, you don't have to talk to me about Marquis Serving. You know that I am not a fan. So <laughs> that usually, I don't know Whittington's actually dealing with a little bit of an injury right now. He looks, sounds like he's actually going to be out a couple weeks. So we might actually see Jordan James kind of solidify that running back role, running back two role over the next couple of weeks and maybe even get in like – like Marquise Irving, if you looked at his profile last year, he struggled in short yardage situations. They didn't use him a lot in the red zone. It was actually a lot of Bo Nix doing it a lot. They didn't really have that thumper. Maybe he can come in and kind of take over that role, you know, and be that short yardage back and and then, you know, just get more carries out of that as well and kind of become a guy that, that climbs a little bit. I like that. I know Mike's pretty high on him as well. Um, a guy that I've added, I added him this offseason, to be fair, very tentatively, and I've raised him a little bit. Um, just recently, <laughs> off of the massive performance he just had this past weekend, uh, and that's Kansas State running back uh, DJ Giddens. Um, you know, over 200 yards rushing last year as a, as a team's le- uh, leader last year with Trayshawn Ward out, or last week with Trayshawn Ward out, first or second leading receiver, I believe, looked fantastic. He really caught my eye last year. Um, backing up Deuce Vaughn, he never did anything crazy on the box score. He was a little bit efficient. Um, he caught passes. Um, good footwork, good vision, great, great hands down the field. He's actually targeted down the field. I mean, even in this, uh, this year alone, he has one game below two yard, eight odd, which is actually like really good for a running back. He's not getting like just dump offs all the time. Six foot, 212 pounds. I just didn't want to count him out of this running back race entering, um, uh, entering this year. Cause you know, Ward's a little bit of a smaller guy too. He's had his injury issues in the past as well. So we'll have to see what happens with Ward. Um, but he's just the guy that I'm watching at least just right now, just, paying attention to i i don't rank super aggressively nothing he's in like my 60s or my 50s or something but just a guy at least that i've thrown on the radar and then the other guy uh just mentioned quickly put a post about him uh on twitter today uh, amani bailey for tcu you know had a lot of hype last year when people were kind of like doubting kendry miller last year they were kind of pointing to bailey as this guy transferring in could kind of take over he didn't do much last year but now he's kind of stepping into that leading role second in the power five in rushing First in missed tackles forced in the power five. First in 10 yard plus pace plays in the power five. Currently has over 4.3 yards after contact. He's 5'9, 208. Looks like a little jitterbug out there. Top end speed is probably something that I have concerns with. Not necessarily the analytical profile that we want to attach ourselves to, but 
could be one of these senior bowl risers, you know, maybe like a Jalen Warren type we're seeing in the NFL now become an Aubrey two. And then like, you know, kind of excelling in that role, maybe that kind of, that kind of role for, for Bailey here. Ooh, Ooh, Jalen Warren <laughs> comp. I, I don't mind that. He kind of has that ability to like, you can't, you can't hit him square. He's kind of squirrely. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I actually like comparisons. You, you'll hear me when I talk about players. I compare them all the time. I think it gives people a good idea of the type of player I think I'm seeing where, like, they can kind of, you know, some something they can relate to because they probably don't always – everybody listens probably doesn't know everybody in college. At least if I can relate them to an NFL guy, they can kind of have an idea of, of what I'm kind of seeing. But anyways, yeah, those are, that, that'll wrap up the running back group here. Let's move on to the wide receivers here. Um, biggest question of the 2024 class is just who exactly the wide receiver two is in this class. I mean, the next five names are really up for discussion. So I'm putting you on the spot, Mr. Austin Nace. As of today, who are the four names that round out your current top five in the 2024 class? Yeah. Okay. So I have, I still have a Mecca number two. I still think he's overall the most well-rounded guy. I have Xavier worthy at three. Okay. That might be slightly hot. I don't know. I have Keon Coleman at four. Ooh. And then I have Adunze at five. Okay, that's not, that's not actually bad. I mean, the one glaring thing difference between ours, obviously, is that I've always been a fan of Neighbors, and I know that you guys aren't a fan of, of Malik Neighbors as much. He's my wide receiver three in this class as of right now. Um, I just think, you know, there's, there's arguments to be made about upside, and there's arguments to be made about floor, and I think Neighbors is probably a high-floor player. And with some upside there as well. But I, I picture him as like a, the Jordan Addison of this class. And I know you were a little bit higher on Jordan Addison, but I see a lot of the same traits in neighbors where I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver two for an NFL team. You know, I think he can do anything. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He has contested catchability. He has route running ability. He might not be a world-class athlete. He might not have world-class size, but I think he's going to be a guy that hangs around the NFL for a long time. And he's going to be a guy that you're going to be starting on your NFL team. I have neighbor like I I don't I don't hate neighbors um for the record I have him as my wide receiver six seven eight so he's my wide receiver ten in the class but oh but, but 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 and this is why rankings sometimes are tough when you just post the list places yeah because I think after my top four I could put those next guys in basically any order. Adunze, Adonai Mitchell, Jalen McMillan, Travis Hunter, Troy Franklin, Malik Neighbors. I, I could be convinced that those guys belong in any order, and it I, I wouldn't really argue at all with it. So I think, like, yeah, I have Neighbors. You know, okay, maybe he could be my wide receiver six on a yeah. good day, and on a bad day he, he goes down to ten or whatever. Like, I think I, – I definitely don't hate him, and I think if you're comparing – you know, if he's my wide receiver eight at the end of the day in this class, like I think he's considerably better than whatever the wide receiver eight was in last year's class for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's just an abysmally low ranking, but I get it. Tier ranking. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it. Tier rankings, everything. Like that. I will say, I've actually been the one thing I've always said about Romo Dunze is that for his size, I've always thought he lacked a little bit of physicality, lacking that my ball mentality when the, when the ball's in the air, like to attack it a little bit better, not letting it come in. And some of that, you know, panics his ball placement's a little bit all over the place sometimes. He's adjusting to a low throw, one behind him or whatever. But this year, I will say there's been some nice ones in the end zone contested catches. I'm seeing a little bit more of that physicality that I like to see. 
uh, that I wanted to see from him. So I actually have him locked in at my wide receiver five. And then I have like a big group underneath. So uh, Troy Franklin, um, Keon Coleman for me is outside of my top five, but he's joined this group. He's at my wide receiver seven right now. Jalen McMillan, I still have hanging around here. J. Michael Sturdivant, who I know a lot of people aren't super big on, but I, I know he's raw. I know to me, he's like, the cheaper version of Troy Franklin in a sense. Like, I think he can have that kind of upside, that athleticism at the next level. And then, you know, I, two guys that I have even hanging around here, um, Antoine Wells and, and Elijah Badger as well, kind of hanging around the back end of this, uh, back end of this group. So a lot of names that I think could, could fill out, you know, the top 10 of any group uh, in this class. I mean, it's, it, we might have, be struggling to find the guys that we want to lock in at spots, but it's a very talented, big group of players. I think uh, could excel in the right situations. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. And I, I have those guys, Wells, uh, Badger, uh, Sturdivant, um, even like, you know, Devontae Walker. I, he's kind of in limbo right now. Like I kind of have all, have all those guys in another tier along with, quite frankly, like I, I think there's discussions to be had about maybe Torrey Horton or Malachi Corley. Yeah, um, absolutely. Fitting yep. in with that group too. They're, you know, yeah. I don't think they're, they're always thought of as NFL guys, but I, I think both have traits that are appealing. No, definitely. And Torrey Orton's kind of starting out the year nice. He kind of had that nice, um, you know, entrance to the world in a sense, facing Colorado. Everybody's watching Colorado. And then, you know, he has that size that you really like. So he's somebody I really want to dive into this offseason. Now, one guy you mentioned here when we were just talking, um, and you even posted a picture of your rankings a little bit while ago. I saw a very, very aggressive ranking for one Texas wide receiver, Adonai Mitchell. I pretty sure I saw a top 15 ranking. I'm not sure you can you can justify that now here. What is it that you like about him to be so aggressive? Receiver 16. Okay. So he's not okay, 16. Get okay. Right. Close, close, close. <laughs> so I, I kind of think that he's a comparable player to Keon Coleman. Okay. And I go back and forth between like, maybe he's not as good as I think he is. And then maybe Texas is just mus- misusing him because he is automatic. He's automatic in the red zone. And it's not like they're just throwing him fades he shakes his guy like he is so good at winning quickly off the line of scrimmage for a guy that's six three six four, close to 200 pounds i think he's a really good mover i think he's mm-hmm. got good hips i think he's got good hands i think he can win like we haven't seen deep consistent but we've seen short intermediate which i think is is really good and i think coleman doesn't really win deep either he just kind of you know is really good in the when Travis is extending the play, just kind of working his way downfield into to open space. Like he's not a guy that's winning downfield. So like, I don't think they're that dissimilar players. I just, Texas really, the way their offense is set up is hyper-focused on worthy. But, and I, and I do think Mitchell is kind of one of those guys that's like throwing at a wall where a wall with hands, essentially, where if you throw it, he's going to seal out the defender and get it. Like he almost has a little bit of like George Pickens, to him mm. in that regard like he's not pickens is probably the best in the world right now at body control so like i'm not i'm yeah. not putting him in that category but like I, I just think he kind of has like these pieces of his game that some of these other really good receivers have i just don't think he gets the recognition um that that maybe he should and maybe it is an aggressive ranking you know but when i look at him and then i look at some of these other guys like i think i know what his skills like the, the skill that could have him stick in the nfl is that's why I have yeah. him higher than neighbors. Sometimes I watch neighbors and I'm like, I'm not sure that he can consistently do this in the NFL and like be productive. But I know that even if Mitchell can't separate at all at the next level, his back shoulder game is so freaking good. 
Yeah, I'm so glad actually that you made the George Pickens comp and I didn't have to do it because obviously I've been watching these guys a lot. I'm a Georgia fan, so I watched Mitchell as he was coming up as a three-star recruit and getting that playing time or whatever. And I wrote his profile, I think, I don't know if it was the last two Debbie guides, but at least the first one, um, I wrote his profile. And I agree at the catch point, like the contortion of the body, the body control, the sideline awareness, things like that is like borderline George Pickens level. Like if you want to go dollar store George Pickens level, like that's what it is. Where he falls off is uh, like, I don't think he's the type of athlete that George Pickens is, but I agree yeah. with you that he's a fluid mover. So you were, you were comparing him to Keon Coleman, whereas Keon Coleman, I think is a little bit stiffer, a little bit more of a bully ball type of guy. I think Mitchell actually has a little bit more fluid movements. Like you said, the hips move a little bit better. He's actually what just with the route running with him is it's a little bit all over the place. He needs to like refine himself a little bit, I think. And that will help him gain a little bit more separation and stuff, but it's, but it, he is a very fluid mover for his size. So I've actually raised him up a little bit. I think he's somewhere in like my, I want to say late twenties though, because I do still think he's super raw though. I don't know how I like, that's my problem with projecting him to the next level is like, okay, how much, how much are you going to win with just, how are you going to be able to win like George Pickens is winning right now? Just where they're going to toss balls to you and you're going to be able to catch it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical there. Um, let's talk about some other guys. I think we can be a little bit skeptical on, but they're having strong seasons um, kind of entering the final year of their collegiate career here. Like Xavier Leggett playing for uh, South Carolina, Jamari Thrash playing for uh, um, Louisville, Xavier Weaver playing for Colorado. If I were to ask you for a guy that you have ranked the highest you know essentially your Cedric Tillman of this class who would that be for you yeah I think technically it's probably my it's probably Malachi Corley um yeah. because I think like again like he's a guy like will, will he ever be a stud in the NFL I really don't think so but I think if you watch him and you say like what skill set will like is there going to be something he can kind of hang his hat on I think just his ability to kind of win win off the line of scrimmage immediately and pick up kind of extra yards in the short and intermediate game after catch. I think he does as well as almost anybody in this class, kind of making that first guy miss um, uh, once the ball gets there. He's got a really good feel for that. So I, I, it's probably him. And then I actually do really like Xavier Weaver as well. I'm, I'm coming around yes. on him pretty hard. He's a really good mover. Um, like even on passes where he's not getting the ball, that you can see him just shaking defenders all over the place at times this year. So I think he's a guy that I think people are still kind of like, you know, in Debbie leagues, I doubt he's rostered at all. Like, oh, I, I, I would have a yeah. hard time believing it. In C2C leagues, I think people are still buying him as like a college producer only. And I definitely think there's more there. And he's got, he's six, six foot, six foot one, probably 185 ish when he gets to the NFL. I mean, it's not bad size either. I think he's, I think he can do short, intermediate, and deep if he needs to. He can line up in the slot at times. So I think there, there's a lot of versatility to love with Weaver, too. I was actually looking at, you know, because I we always assumed Colorado was going to be a very explosive offense, at least, or at least one that was going to throw a ton. So I look at this at this group early in the offseason to kind of see, you know, who's going to be the Debbie guy here, obviously outside of Travis Hunter, but who's going to be like the, another Debbie guy here? Xavier Weaver was my favorite player to watch and look at. Just the profile is the one that is the worst one of them all. You know what I mean? Like the oldest player, um, the one who hasn't been, you know, maybe as productive as some of the other ones, but. But he was honestly my favorite from a watching standpoint, from a size standpoint, from a movement standpoint. He was the guy that I had ranked the highest of of, uh, of those three as well. When you're looking at Jimmy Horn and, and the other guys there, um, my guy here, I, I will quickly mention. Uh, we've already talked about it a little bit, but but Juice Wells. Um, you know, I, I'm at, I mentioned Cedric Tillman because it's actually kind of crazy how similar their profiles look. Um, 
you know, like big season in, in their la- in uh, their second last year. Cedric Tillman had one. Antoine Wells had a super big season last year. Lost the hype coming into this year. Both of them banged up early. Can't seem to shake it. So a lot of the evaluation, depending on how much Wells can come back this year, is going to be based on what he did last year. And I mean, there's good size there. Um, you know, a good versatility along the lineup. Decent yak threat as well. So very easy story to root for. You know, guy came all the way from the FCS up to being, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the SEC last year. But another guy that I want to talk about here, Louisville wide receiver Jamari Thrash. He's been a guy I've invested a lot in this offseason, especially from a C2C standpoint. And that's working out pretty well so far. But he always had this like sneaky underlying profile. You know, I, I playing at Georgia State there before they switched to the air raid where, you know, they barely passed for 1,500 yards a year. He held the yards per out run above 2.3 during those years, even though they're very low, very low production years. Absolutely blew up when they changed to the air raid. Transfer that uh, – took that and transferred up to P5 into Louisville, has the same size as the guy you were just talking about, Xavier Weaver, 6'1", 185 pounds, quick and shifty, getting that heavy volume right now, um, just under four yards per out run. He could be one of those sneaky senior bowl risers, I think. You know, does a lot of things in the NFL that we like. I just wish he was a little faster. If he was, like, I would probably be all yeah. aboard. I, it, it, You know what, if he was faster, I think you would hear some, some like, uh, top 40 buzz for him. I don't think yeah, he'll I, get there because I think he kind of lacks that top gear, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think he's an early day three guy, maybe like the same range as Charlie Jones went in like the round four there. Ooh, um, yeah. But but um, him and Corley, in my opinion, both these guys, I think are quicker than fast. Like, I don't know what you think Corley's top speed is, but I think both these guys are kind of more like your quicker than fast guys who excel in like in like shorter spaces or whatever, but might not like beat you deep down the field. Yeah, it's hard to guess the 40 for some of these guys because so many of them are either have track backgrounds or are training so specifically for the 40 now that they end up running like a little fast. You know, you're like, this is a 4.5 guy, and then they run like a 4.47. Um, so they could run in that range, but I think, yeah, if you're like watching them on an NFL field, um, when you kind of remove the, the technique that shaves, you know, 0.05 off of a 40 or whatever, they, they both get caught from behind in certain situations. I'm looking at the two guys who have had a bit of a surge here heading into this draft year. I just want to know who do you have ranked higher Roman Wilson from Michigan or South Carolina's Xavier Leggett. So I have not added either to my Debbie rankings. Fair I think enough. I likely get a little bit more just at this stage. Cause he's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, tiebreaker, they're both kind of similar skill set players. Just give me the guy that's six, three two, 20 or whatever, as opposed to the five, Nine one seventy five. I don't know what Wilson's listed at, but I know I know that's what Leggett is. Yeah, Roman Wilson. I think um, to his credit is like Garrett Wilson build. He's like six foot one eighty or something like that. So he's not. He's, he's not six like, foot. Oh yeah. man. Okay. He's, he's apparently six foot. Yeah. So so that's not too bad. Xavier Leggett maybe a really cheap store brand Traylon Burks. It, like the really bad analytical profile of Traylon Burks because he gets these manufactured touches. We saw him turn that screen. He turned into like a 22-mile play the other day. And he also excels down the field, which people didn't give a lot of, enough respect to Traylon Burks for doing that. He did that early in his career, not so much in the last year where they were just kind of feeding him targets. But maybe like a little bit there. But Roman Wilson, I'm just saying, I, I think his athleticism is going to turn some heads when he eventually gets to the draft process because he has some really good numbers, you know, like 4.340, um, like a 39-inch vert. So I think, I think he'll turn some heads there. For me right now, I'm also thinking, I'm almost thinking that I like Roman Wilson a little bit better just because I think his skill set might be more like more like nowadays where they want separation artists and things like that. I think he might have a little bit more to that. But um, yeah, two guys, at least you guys, you guys should be keeping an eye on that. Is he more in the Jalen Hyatt bucket? Is that fair for him? If you're going to put 
like it kind of is the poor man's um uh trail on burks that is that's like one of the comparisons i've been making this year but i don't know if i would say that they're like the, like the exact same skill set i don't know if roman wilson is just a deep vertical guy like i, I assumed kind of jalen hyatt was like roman wilson does a little bit more like in the intermediate parts of the field i think he's got a little bit more to his game that's just kind of been hidden there a little bit in michigan but um i'll be interested to see how it develops but yes i think that's probably closer to to what we're looking at there with, with both those guys let's move on to 2025 class I think this class has been performing well enough um, without having to make some huge alterations to the top. There's been some interesting climbers here. Let's start with one of the most interesting names in college football right now. Colorado Travis, uh, Colorado wide receiver slash defensive back Travis Hunter. Where do you have him currently ranked? I have him ranked um, probably too aggressively. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have him at 18 overall. But I do think like if tomorrow he said i'm no longer playing corner i'm playing wide receiver where would i put him and realistically i think i'd put him in that group with you know keon coleman and isaiah bond and mm -hmm. uh and, and uh, dunze and uh you know th those kind of guys i think that's the kind of group that he kind of belongs in where yeah then maybe there's like some small issues with his profile like i think his ball skills are, are kind of inconsistent but just yes. like the way and he's really skinny, like really skinny. I know that doesn't always matter. Like Devonta Smith is is uh, exhibit A and then Tutu and some of these even smaller guys have been uh, productive this year. So I, I don't think that's like a the, uh, as big of a red flag as it would have been a couple years ago. Like I, I really think that he could be a really good receiver. And it's just crazy to think that I think like he should play corner. Like if I was advising him and he had to pick one, I would say go play corner. Just I, I think he'd be a top three corner in the NFL the day he steps on the field there. Yeah, I've also seen, you know, we, we saw a little bit of ball tracking issues as well. Some of those deep shots maybe kind of lost them a, a little bit. Uh, still learning that part of his game. But, you know, when I look at wide receivers in the NFL, like that's where the money is right now. And I, I'm not saying anything about a hunter. I love edginess in my wide receiver. I love a little bit of cockiness in my wide receivers as well. I don't care that I kind of think Travis Hunter is the kind of guy who wants to chase money. And if you're looking at contracts in the NFL right now, I mean, the best wide receiver, or the best corner in the NFL makes like Christian Kirk money, make, makes like Keenan Allen money. Whereas like wide receivers, there's like 10 or 12 above that right now. Like Tyreek Hill's making $30 million a year. If Travis Hunter wants to shoot for like those big contracts and like he might go to wide receiver, man. And it, it, that's kind of where he wants. Maybe he wants to play both ways. I don't know if a team is going to let him do that. But shockingly enough, when I did my ranking updates right now, I have my wide receiver 17. I can't believe I'm higher than you. I, I like, Ooh, I feel okay. like, I, yeah, now I feel like I'm way too aggressive, but maybe I'm more. Like, I don't know. I, I'm starting to convince myself that he's going to play wide receiver. And I guess that's maybe where some, some of that more aggressiveness is coming from. Um, I have him right in front of Isaiah Bond. So a guy that you mentioned there as well. So if he sticks at wide receiver, yeah, there's, there's, there's always the fact that he could play defense though. So that's kind of, kind of something you're going to have to put into your rankings as well. But looking at the 2025 class as a whole, let's play a little bit of a name game. Okay. Just to breeze through some of these guys here running a little bit long in the tooth. Luther Burden or Evan Stewart? Uh, Stewart. 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 I'm still going with Luther there, man. Love what he's doing. Yeah, but I, but I don't get it. You're, you're winning with both picks there. Let's go on to the next one. A little bit tougher here. Mr. Barion Brown, your guy from last year that you were super high on, or Mr. Tatoria McMillan from Arizona? Uh, this is a really hard one. It is. I'll, yeah, it is. You know, I'll take Brown because I think his stock is a little lower than Tet's right now. Like, I yeah. think he's slightly cheaper, even though I think Tet might be the better prospect when it's all said and done. Yeah, and they're using Barian in, like, really weird ways this way. We talked about it. He, 
uh, in a couple episodes ago, he's not getting those manufactured touches he was getting like last year. And they're using him as like a deep threat. Like his A dot is like double digits right now, which is not what it was last year. They were giving him easy touches and letting him kind of excel in, in intermediate. And I'm surprised they're not doing that as much. Taven Robinson's kind of taking that over. But I still think I have Barry and Brown ahead by like one spot. No. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I have Barry and Brown ahead by like one spot. So I'm still siding with him there. Um, guy we just talked about, Mr. Travis Hunter or Isaiah Bond. You have one of them 17 and one of them 18, and I have yeah. them flipped. Yeah, we're, we're going to be flipped there, but still, same tier of player. So let's just say, so you prefer Isaiah Bond. Do you prefer Isaiah Bond to Matthew Golden? Um, So I have perhaps unfairly dropped Matthew Golden about 10 spots this year. Rude. Um, like I think he's a good player. Just like, again, like he hasn't, and I've watched a couple of Houston games. I don't even know like that he's consistently been the best receiver on their team. Sam, Sam Brown. Brown's been pretty yeah. good for them. I think the other part's going to be that they really want to use Golden as like a possession guy right now. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's more than that. But I don't know that we're really going to get to see more than that from him. So I think like that's going to hurt his potential NFL draft capital at some point. So I like like I've I've dropped him to twenty two a wide receiver twenty two overall, and he's like the last of the guys that like I, I really like for Debbie purposes as, as, as the 22nd guy there. Yeah. He's actually my wide receiver 20. So we're not too far okay. off, but I, but I do like him. Um, let's move on to um, the freshman class. For those of you who don't know, obviously Austin, a very important member of our recruiting team. Um, some might even say it's his one true passion outside of CTC and anything like that, but that, that's just my opinion, I guess. <laughs> I happen to know that wide receiver is your favorite position to scout. So do you still have, Mr. Jonte Cook as your wide receiver one four weeks into the season? Uh, I do. Okay. Uh, and then I have Branch two and Tate three. They're all literally five, six, and seven in my rankings, though. Um, yeah. I, I like them all. And I think Cook, like he caught a 51-yard pass this week. Like I, I think I'm, I still think he gets to, you know, 300-ish yards on the season. I'm not too worried about him, uh, you know, not hitting some of those year one zero thresholds. Yeah, I wavered on Branch early in the season, mostly due to like some size concerns, but I think he's still my wide receiver one for now. You know, like we are seeing, you know, and maybe this is kind of altering my my opinion a little bit. We're seeing success from guys like Tutu Atwell. We're seeing success from guys like Tank Dell. We're seeing Zay Flowers go in the first round and getting some good usage out the gate here. It's kind of reinstilled my confidence in if I see a player who I think is very good and maybe he's a little bit small, but I think NFL is going to see that as well. They're, they seem to be being more lenient with size. And, you know, the way he started the year, he's already broke his year, uh, his year one zero thresholds. Um, he's looking electric out there in the open field, shining as a kick returner as well. He actually leads the team in targets right now, I'm pretty sure. Um, although a lot of those are manufactured, like the ADOT's a lot lower and stuff. But, but just be mindful. We saw everybody pigeonhole Burden last year after his first season. And now he's becoming much more. He's, it's becoming much more. Don't write off Branch. Branch's ability to become more as a, as a complete receiver as time goes on here. You know, these manufacturer touches are, are just kind of an easy way to get the young guys on the field and in space and, 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 you know, let them excel that way. But I still have a lot of hope for him. I think he's kind of reaffirmed seeing the way he started this year uh, as my receiver one cook is at number three for me. Actually, I have Carnell Tate sitting at number two right now. So again, you know, top tier there, we're the same there anyway. So um, give me one name in this class um, who's risen for you, or even maybe even just a name you weren't even considering before that's risen in this freshman class for you yeah it's really hard for our recruiting team like even though i don't go as deep as as matt uh big wide receiver guy and and david and and even alfred to some extent go 
Um, like I'll, even if I haven't watched a guy, like I've probably heard them mentioned him and at least like know who they are. I don't think we really ever talked about Tyler Brown this off season at all. At least not yeah. that I can remember, um, having a conversation about him. He's, and I think I probably discounted him because he's, a like mid three-star receiver going to Clemson and he plays the slot. So I was like, Antonio Williams plays the slot. Like not going to take that job from him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he really, I don't think he has, but he was so good with Williams out last week that Dabo came out of the game and said, you know, we are going to try to find ways to get him and Williams on the field at the same time. So I think one of those guys is probably going outside. I'm actually really interested to see who it is because I think I think both can do it. So I'm curious to see uh, which guy they, they kind of opt to uh, push outside. So, but he's a guy, yeah, I just, I, I had never really heard of him. And now this dude just freaking crushing it at Clemson right now. He's probably like their second or third leading receiver right now. Yeah. Over the last two weeks, he's leading the team in receiving. Uh, I do have to remind everyone, obviously that Antonio Williams did miss last week's game and like the surprise nature of the injury, like kind of came out of nowhere. It makes me wonder if he was dealing with it the previous week as well, which is maybe why Brown got to see a little bit of an increase in playing time. Like maybe some, something was bugging him a little bit, but he is delivering in that slot role. Um, Made a few nice catches along the way. A couple uh, highlight-worthy contested catches as well. For a small guy, 5'11", 180. It's not terrible size, but he you know, has some quickness to him. I'm eagerly watching him as well. So um, eager to see if he can get relegated when, once Williams comes in. One more other guy that I will mention here that I dove into a little bit this week. London Humphrey, really interesting profile at Vanderbilt. Um, getting some uh, some solid playing time there. Good size, speed profile. 6'3", 180. Has a 10.7, meter, a 21.76, 200-meter. He was a long state champion or a long jump state championship as well. Um, nice base of athleticism to work off there. He's turned into like one of the beast, best deep threats in the SEC through four weeks. Um, he's got the most 20-plus yard balls down the field. He has the most yards on 20-plus yard balls down the field. Has about like a 20-yard A dot to pair with 25 yards per catch. Only three touchdowns on the season. But he's finding a role for himself early in the season, which is getting himself on the field. And, and hopefully it develops into more diverse usage down the field. A um, couple other guys that I just want to mention here. Eric Singleton at Georgia, uh, at Georgia Tech as well is making some noise. A, a smaller, faster guy. Tyler, Tyler um, Tiger Bachmeyer over at Stanford. One of the older guys in his classes that we didn't love, but he is making a very strong impact early on. Kevin Conception over at mm-hmm. NC State. All those guys I'm just kind of ranking like very tentatively right now. Like They're almost like in my 40s, 50s. Just kind of seeing what I'm going to do with them because we didn't love them as prospects, but they're playing a lot. So kind of have to look at them a little bit. How do you feel about Jaquazy Petaway, who already has double-digit receptions on the year? Have you watched any of him? He's got like a, an dot. His, his dot after week one, I believe, was either negative or, or like 0.4. How fair is it that he got like 10 of those receptions in like a blowout game though. Like I know, I know like numbers yeah. are numbers and it works out. Like it works out the way it works out, but he is getting on the field because of that. But um, when I looked at his profile, I thought he was a Jalen Hyatt type. I thought he was a vertical speed um, guy that gets downfield and, and gets some of those uh, targets down the field. I don't know how much I thought about his intermediate route running or short route running or, th- or things like that. But um, I think this is a, this is at least a step in the right direction for him for a wide receiver room that really doesn't have many answers behind the guys that are there right now. Yeah, I know. I, I had similar thoughts. So he's been a guy that's surprised me a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, last topic of conversation here for the freshmen, you and Chris are really the originators of the year one zero theory produces amazing results. When you look at the data over the history of the league. Um, I think we've both discussed this over the past few weeks. Just want to get your opinion on where this guy is. And we'll dive in a little bit more, but Mr. Jerry on Dickey at, at Oregon, where does he sit in your rankings now? 
Yeah, I've dropped him to wide receiver 23. And honestly, that's even probably uh, too high at this point. He was yeah. uh, a handful of spots higher than that coming into the year. And really the big issue for him is that he just isn't playing at all. Even in some of these blowouts at Oregon yeah. uh, has had this season, which has been the majority of their games. Um, he, he's not even getting on the field. He's played, he played eight snaps in week one and three snaps in week three. Doesn't have a target to his name yet. Um, I, I, I think it's concerning. I think at this point, his only chance to get on the field and produce is going to be if Oregon doesn't make the playoff and guys like Franklin and, and maybe even like Tez Johnson or Gary Bryant sit out and, and he maybe gets to play up a, a lot that game. I think that's the only way, um, that we see him produce it all this year. Right, because if he didn't get on the field during some of these more cupcake matchups early in the season, how is he going to get you know during the the harder parts of the season going down? So I don't know. He's at wide receiver twenty eight for me right now, actually. So I've dropped him quite a bit. Anyone else that you began to drop in fear is that they aren't going to hit those year one zero thresholds. Yeah, the two guys that I've dropped the most relative to where I had them were Brandon Ennis and um, uh, Cordell Russell at TCU. Uh, okay. Ennis Ennis is like. I think he's played seven total not special team snaps this year. Um, so that's pretty concerning. Uh, they aren't rotating the receivers as much as I thought they would this year either, which is also uh, a little bit worrisome. So I think he's a guy that I'm – I actually just sold him in a deal for Jamari Thrash this week um, oh, nice. because I am pretty concerned at this point. I'm, I'm pretty aggressive trying to get rid of these guys. I know some people don't like to, to play the game quite that way. Um, I'd rather trade them now, uh, and not lose out on any of the value. And if they, they, you know, end up getting their hundred yards or whatever, so be it. Um, but I, I don't want to be caught holding the bag because so many people are familiar with this, uh, concept now that you get to the end of the year and you can't sell Brandon in for a ham sandwich. I don't think anybody has the data on this on the, or if it shows anything really about being an early enrollee and if that actually matters at all. But big, I mean, what big the, wide receiver guy did pull the data at some point and there's like no correlation at all. Um, yeah. See, I, so I, don't I used to think there would be, but there apparently isn't. So I think this has more to do with the, the amount of talent that's in that room already. Like Noah Rogers even got some love this off season. Um, and then you've got Carnell Tate, obviously making some noise. Plus you've got like three guys they like at least in front of them, maybe four, if you want to include, include Ballard and, and Fleming. Um, so it's like, it's hard for guys to kind of break through that, that thing are that group of people already, but yeah, that's, it's going to be tough for him to kind of break through that one guy that I'm getting a little bit, um, scared about as well is, uh, Malachi Coleman, who I started to rise a little bit through the off season. I think he finished the year as my number or the, the off season as my number 10 wide receiver, um, over at Nebraska, the biggest thing here is that I actually thought he would be a contributor early because like the lack of depth at wide receiver they had, the lack of star power really that they they had in that room, they still haven't really found a consistent wide receiver in that room. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit early, uh, but, you know, we talk about being aggressive when we're not seeing these things, but him not getting on the field at all is troubling. He's the type of athlete that's like big body frame, um, just go out there, throw a couple of go balls up to him. He'll probably going to have a good chance of coming down with them. We saw him do that a bunch of times, even through the all-star circuit there. So the fact that he's not at least getting out there and doing that, it's hard to wrap my head around, especially with the lack of talent in this wide receiver room right now. And like, and truth be told, like his passing attack is, is struggling a lot right now. Jeff Sims is exactly who we thought he was, unfortunately. And, and until they get that part figured out too, we might not see a consistent pass catcher from this room all season. So Coleman's been a guy that I'm just uh, a lot of these freshmen when they're not performing well, especially when they were already in that mid tier, like these guys are probably like in my forties, fifties now, any lat, I don't even want to talk about tight ends, but just to throw it out there, any that you've thrown into your rankings that are grabbing your attention. Um, 
Uh, not really. I, I, Luke Haas wasn't on my radar, the true freshman. The guy that has really risen up is Dallin Holker. I yeah, think he I, could, I there, think yeah. NFL might really like him, quite frankly. Yeah, him and Ben Sinat are the two guys that I've added at least to my rankings. Uh, we are a little bit worried about Sinat, about his kind of like more H-back tendencies, I guess, and the size is a little bit on the smaller. And like, he's right at the, right at the threshold you want to see. So it's like, if he comes in any less than that, we might be a little bit worried. Um, but Dallin Holker, a guy that I kind of compared to Greg Dolchich a little bit on one of our earlier episodes, probably not the same type of athlete, but former wide receiver in high school as well, put up some really good stats in high school as well, and kind of has a similar build, 235, he's like 6'5", so he's kind of like a little bit leaner, a little bit more of a receiving weapon. So uh, a couple tight ends for you guys at least to watch there. Austin, thank you very much for coming on and talking this long episode of Rankings Update here with us. Um, Mike is upset that he missed this one. I know he is because he loves these Ranking Update episodes. And he loves the long episodes, man. I don't know. He always just wants to keep me on here for like two hours long sometimes. But, <laughs> but anyways, uh, again, Austin, thank you very much. If you guys want to see any of it, check out that NIL uh, podcast. Check out the, uh, the articles Austin is doing on the website as well. Take a look into that quarterback three class if you guys want some more thoughts. Make sure you guys are checking out um, Homefield Apparel using our Campus of Canton um, promo code for the 15% off. And make sure you guys are checking out the tailgate every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12, keeping guys up to date on everything heading into this week's of games. Uh, that's going to do it for us here this week. From Corey and from Austin. I forget how he ends the show. Does he say good night and good luck? <laughs> I think he does. Okay, I'm just, gonna, does. I'm just going to say that now. Good night. And good luck.